بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وألحقنا بعبادك الصالحين أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Respected ulama kiram and huffad and those who are listening over the receiver and the various platforms Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has afforded us the opportunity that we are in the month of Sha'ban in preparation for the month of Ramadan. Preparation for the month of Ramadan is not exclusive for the scholars of deen or for the Huffad, but it is something every Muslim is responsible to acquire and to achieve. And this is why Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to start the dua of preparation for Ramadan from Rajab and he would say, Allahumma barik lana fi Rajab wa Sha'ban so preparation from Ramadan starts long before Ramadan and that's for every Muslim in fact in Ihya Ulumiddin Imam Al-Ghazali rahimahullah says that we've met such people who prepare for Ramadan six months before Ramadan and they prepare themselves physically mentally spiritually to maximize the reward that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promises during the month of Ramadan and after the month of Ramadan another five and six months is spent in reflection over what could have been done better to improve the value of that Ramadan? And he says, Ramadan. It was as if the entire year was spent focusing on Ramadan. So this is the responsibility of every Muslim to aspire and to yearn to excel in the month of Ramadan. But the Hufal and those who go on the Musalla, they've got an additional fikr and responsibility. And that is to take the load of revelation on their shoulders when they stand on the musalla of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And this is a great amana because recitation of the Qur'an is a trust from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And a person who memorizes the Qur'an, therefore he's called a hafiz because he is securing and safeguarding and protecting every revealed letter upon Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And any deficiency in our recitation, any deficiency in the way we recite and articulate the words of the Qur'an could render the khatam incomplete. So like it is a defective copy of a script of the Qur'an if somebody writes and makes a mistake in the formation of the letters or the words, we would say that don't purchase that mushaf because there's a mistake in the, in the script. Similarly, reciting letters incorrectly, pronouncing it incorrectly, just barely going through the motions as a ritual in the month of Ramadan, this would also render the khatam incomplete. So to discuss further in this regard, we are honored and blessed that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us the opportunity to be in the company of our blessed and our, our, our beloved Ustad, Hazrat Qari Ayyub Ishaq Barakatuhum, and he, know, he needs no inter, in, introduction. His two sons are the imams of our town. Qari Hudayfa is in this masjid and Qari Usama in the other masjid, Masjid Furqan. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has accepted him and given him the ability for nearly 35 years to be in an environment of teaching and specializing in the correct recitation of the Qur'an, the correct recitation of the variant readings of the Qur'an, and also spending his extra time with his students, guiding them towards research in the field of the various sciences of Qur'an. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala most certainly has honored our respected Ustad and shown him in his lifetime how his legacy has uh, prospered various parts of the world from the United States to Europe to Asia, Australia. M many countries of the world have the students of Qariyasad, they've established faculties of Qiraat, of Tahfil, Makatib, and many of them still take the hidayat and guidance from Qariyasad. So inshallah, in this particular gathering, we are not doing what Imam Shafi'i said. He said, تَغَرَّبْ عَنِ الْأَوْطَانِ فِي طَلَبِ الْعُلَى he says, make yourself a stranger in the acquisition of heights. And travel, for there are many benefits in traveling. He says, So traveling, you, need, you acquire adab, you learn, you learn to acquire something and benefit from the pious servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah, while we are in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah has arranged for us to benefit from one of the fountains of the knowledge of Qur'an. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq to benefit. We request our respected Ustad to proceed with the program, inshaAllah. 
The brothers may come on this side. You might have a better view. Kari uh, Uzefa is just signaling the pillars might be in the way. So this, this place on the right-hand side. It doesn't matter. You can come even closer here. It's fine. So those people at the back are not hindered by the, by the pillars. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salamun ala ibadihi al-ladheen as-tafa. Amma ba'd. By the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we have gathered here for a very noble reason which is connected to his kalam. From the feedback that I received prior to this program, I was made aware that there will be many young Hufas who are currently in the process of memorization and Ultimately, this program was supposed to be aimed at those Hufas who are currently over the years or even beginning now performing the Salatul Taraweeh and leading the Salatul Taraweeh. But very briefly, I'd like to run through for the benefit of the young ones who are present here and many of them who have come from very far away to be part of this program. Some, to share some advice, insights into how they can progress in their memorization of the Quran Kareem. We'll begin with the words of the Kalamullah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says بَلْ هُوَ آيَاتٌ بَيِّنَاتٌ فِي صُدُورِ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْعِلْمِ This Qur'an are those verses which are clear and they have been stored in the chest of those who have been granted knowledge. So the storage of the Qur'an and its maintenance is not in the book form that we see, but rather Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when He speaks about the preservation of the Qur'an, it is in the hearts of people, in the chests of people. And this is actually the manifestation of the very verse where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّا نَحْنُ نَزَّلْنَا الذِّكْرِ وَإِنَّا لَهُ لَحَافِظُونَ Verily it is us who has, who has revealed this dhikr that is the Qur'an, وَإِنَّا لَهُ لَحَافِظُونَ And we are its protectors. We are the ones who will safeguard it. And in keeping with that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says again, وَلَقَدْ يَسَّرْنَا الْقُرْآنَ لِلذِّكْرِ فَهَلْ مِنْ مُدَّكِرِ That we have made easy to remember. We have made easy to remember the dhikr, the Qur'an. So is there anyone who will remember it so Allah has made this task easy otherwise it's an impossibility really speaking for such a voluminous work a, a writing and that is filled with the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the highest form of any conversation that there can be to memorize that and put that and, and put that to memory was almost impossible had Allah not made it easy. We have made it easy to remember. And therefore we, we do we find that even those who are who do not understand a single word of the Quran are able to memorize the entire Quran from cover to cover. Then in the hadith we come across the hadith where Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says khairukum man ta'allam al-Qur'ana wa'allama this is an encouragement that if you want to be from amongst the best of humankind then the best are those who learn the Qur'an and teach it to others while there is such great honor there is such great virtue in the memorization of the Qur'an and, and retaining the Qur'an in one's memory. At the same time, we have to beware that those who have been granted that opportunity 
who have been chosen for that. There are warnings also that have been sounded parallel to this, and that is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Ta'ahadu al-Qur'an, that take care of your Qur'an. فَوَالَّذِي نَفْسِي بِيَدِهِ I swear by him in whose hands is my life. لَهُوَ أَشَدُّ تَفَلُّتًا مِّنَ الْإِبِلِ فِي عُقُّلِهَا Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says that it, the Qur'an once memorized, it is more swift in escaping from one than the hobbled camel whose rope has come loose. So whilst there is great virtue, there is a great responsibility that goes with it, and that is to safeguard the Qur'an Kareem, to maintain it, and to keep it in one's memory. For those young ones who are pursuing Hifzul Qur'an, let me start by saying that when we embark on this path, there is no U-turn. There is no scope, there is no room for U-turns on it. Once you are in it, you are in it. This is a tremendous responsibility and it is by choice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not your choice, not my choice. Allah chooses those whom He wishes for the memorization of His kalam. And the responsibility that goes with it is tremendous. It's a lifelong commitment. And this is why we need to make the Qur'an our companion. We need to make the Qur'an our companion. In the words of Imam al-Shatubi rahimahullah, he says, وَخَيْرُ جَلِيسٍ لَا يُمَلُّ حَدِيثُهُ The Qur'an is such a companion. The Qur'an is such a companion. لَا يُمَلُّ حَدِيثُهُ Its speech will never bore you. You will never become bored by the speech of the Qur'an. وَتَرْدَادُهُ يَزْدَادُ فِيهِ تَجَمُّلًا And its repetition increases in the beauty of the Qur'an. And according to some commentators, increases in the beauty of the reciter of the Qur'an. So the beauty of the Qur'an will be increased. And by virtue of that, the one who engages in the recitation of the Qur'an and in maintaining and retaining the Qur'an, his beauty, his luster, the nur of, that will, will, will emanate from him will increase as time goes on. Now young men, becoming a Hafiz is the easy part. But remaining a Hafiz is the difficult part. Memorizing the Quran and Kareem is the easy part. But retaining it in memory is the difficult part. So when it comes to the retention of the Qur'an al-Kareem, how does one go about retaining it? Whilst you are going through the paces of memorization, you will memorize and you will memorize while you are in the Hifz class. You are daily in contact with the Qur'an and you have to deliver your lessons to your Ustad and so on. So you are going to continue doing what you are doing. But later on, what happens? So retaining it in memory, we can go to the next screen. We've discussed already that Hivs uh, is a lifelong commitment. And of course, we need to correct our intentions in Namal Amalu bin Niyat. This is something that needs to be corrected and intentions before every good deed. So we need to correct our intention as far as Hizzul Qur'an is concerned as well. And that is, we are doing it solely for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And added to that, we could make this intention that to preserve the Qur'an, hifazate Qur'an, for preservation of the Qur'an, that Allah use me, use my heart, for the preservation of his kalam. And of course, another intention that can, can and should be made 
is that this kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which I am committing to memory I must mold my life that it is in conformity to that kalam which I have in my chest it cannot be that we have imagine if you have a manual to operate a machine yet you do not use the instructions in that manual to operate that machine would it make any sense everyone anyone and everyone will tell you that you're going about your, your approach is wrong here you need to follow the guidelines set out by the manufacturer to operate this machine Allah has created us and this is the manual to operate this body of ours and once we take the Quran and put it inside us it is more necessary for us that our lives are molded in conformity with that which is contained in the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so retaining the Quran in memory is what is the challenge there are three R's three R's number one repeat now this is that which you are doing already those who are currently engaged in memorization of Quran you will repeat when you learn your sabak, your new lesson you take a verse you read it once, you read it twice, you read it a dozen times until it sits in your memory. So you keep repeating. Then you revise it. What you read in the last few days as your sabak, as your lesson, you're going to revise that. And you're going to present it now, not in short bits, but rather putting together a few of those lessons that you have memorized in one uh, in one sitting, in one reading, you cover the entire bit. And finally, to review it all the time. You cannot say, I have revised it and I'm done with it now and pack it away. You got to keep reviewing it for the rest of your life. So those are the three R's. Now coming to the memorization of the Quran, continuing with that, what is the recommended amount of recitation of Quran to be able to be able to maintain it and to keep it in memory so there are various recommendations there are those who will say you need to do at a daily basis five Jews of the Quran many of us will say that's not possible it's possible where there is a will there is a way but the minimum they say even after that and many, many of the teachers of Hifz al-Quran will tell you that three Jews daily. You need to recite three Jews. And of course, then you get those who say, our lives are so busy and so on and so forth. So we say, at the absolute minimum, one Jews in every lunar month, you should complete one round of, of the, the khatam of the Quran. Now, the next point is very important for those who are still currently in Hifz classes and that is to continue the revision with the Ustad even after you have completed. What happens here, it has become very common to leave the class of Hifz where you are doing your Hifz no sooner you have read Minal Jinnati Wan Nas that's it, I'm going. That is a folly. And that is the biggest mistake you will make. As a Hafiz, it is the biggest mistake you will make. You are half-baked, you are still kacha. You need to become pakka. And to do that, you need to remain with your Ustad even after that, until such time when he says, okay, now it's okay to leave. So let us not make that mistake and leave prematurely. As a result, you will pay for it for the rest of your life. So that is a very important, do not make haste in exiting the class. The next point here, recite some portion in Salah daily for retention. Some portion of the Quran should be recited daily in Salah. When we say in Salah, in all your Sunan, the Sunnas that are before and after the Fard Salah five times a day. And if Allah gives you tawfiq to get up in the middle of the night, somewhere towards the latter part of the night and recite in the Salatul Tahajjud some amount of Quran whatever Allah gives you tawfiq 
This will go a long way in retaining your Quran in memory. I've seen many, I mean, mashayikh and so on, who would ask you this question. Shaykh Yunus John Puri, rahmatullahi, who was a Shaykh al-Hadith of Mazahir al-Uloom, whenever people, students of deen, went to go and visit him, you sit before him and the first question after he's made salam with you is, are you a hafiz? He said, if you say yes, then the next question would be, how much of that Quran do you recite in salah? That was his question. He will ask every half is this question. And if you say nothing, then he'll say, but aisa mat karo. Oh, my children, don't do that. That Quran has a right over you and that is to recite it in salah. And I'm saying there is a spin-off of that is that you're going to keep it strong in memory by doing that. I've seen him, him himself was not in, 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 in the sense that we know a hafiz of the Quran. He was not a hafiz, known as a hafiz of the Quran, but yet he would, because he had a memory which was photographic, he will browse through three or four pages of the Quran, standing in the front of the masjid, here like there, take the Quran, turn a few pages, scan it, put the Quran back, and then he will perform two rakats, and whatever he just scanned, he will recite it. That's the kind of memory he had, yet he was not known to be a hafiz of the Qur'an. So he was, he was telling the Hufas to do something which he himself, not being a hafiz, yet he was doing it. So the importance of this can be understood, that reciting some portion within the Salah is very important. And the next point, very important, is that to refrain from sin. Many of people say that, you know, I memorize and I memorize. And, you know, in the morning after Fajr, I, read, I went to the Ustad, I read it, and the next day I forgot all of it. I can't even re remember one verse of what I memorized yesterday. So, we need to do introspection. And that is, if we are involved in sin, this is what will be the result. Because whatever you memorize, you will instantly forget because it cannot get together. With the sin and the Qur'an, they will not stay together. So we need to purify ourselves as, that, as far as that is concerned. And we know the famous uh, couplet of Imam al-Shafi'i rahimahullah, when, he's, when he's, he complained to his ustad about his poor memory. The first thing the ustad said to him, and the only thing he said to him, Refrain from any sin. Because this knowledge, the knowledge of deen and especially the knowledge of Quran is nur from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wa nurullahi la yu'ta li'asi. And the nur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not be given to a sinner. So we need to refrain from sin. Don't regard any sin as minute. Do not regard any sin as insignificant. Because all sin ultimately it builds up and then it piles up and then it overshadows your heart and the Quran will not find a place in that heart. Of course this is very important as well. In the old days I remember very clearly when somebody, very few in those days, now mashallah we've got many people who are attempting Hifz al-Quran when I was a youngster, there were very few who were, who were in the Hifz classes and attempting Hifz al-Quran. No sooner the older people would hear that, you know, so-and-so's son, yeah, my son is going to be doing Hifz al-Quran. So they will say, give that man a badam, not a, not the other one. Give him a badam, badam almonds. This was something that, you know, we always wondered, why, why? Almond for what reason? It's now it's proven. Not just almond, most nuts. And the walnut is something that is very good for the brain. It increases and strengthens the, the brain. The important thing is to eat the right foods. Firstly, halal, because again, if it's contaminated with haram, Quran is not going to find a place there. So halal on one side and then healthy eating habits. 
foods that contain flavonoids google this word flavonoids and dietary flavonoids are found in various foods amongst them nuts of course and the walnut if you look at the walnut it's shaped almost like the human brain take a walnut and look at a picture of the human brain it looks the same so there is a connection there of course berries blackberries blueberries they are high in flavonoids all the other health benefits aside there are many other health health benefits but then you have these benefits as well that it strengthens the mind and it is said that it has the potential to promote memory learning and cognitive function green tea any tea but green tea is better and of course you have the likes of kale kale is this plant that you you can get it now you know in in a tablet form it's it's very pure if you can find the pure version of it and red cabbage and and so on there's so many things google it and you will find so to help yourself to increase your memory by way of using the right foods and refraining from those things that can cause harm to your memory amongst them the hakims uh, usually uh, say that you should abstain from such foods that are high in in sour sour in the sourness like uh, tamarind tamarind is not good for the memory lemon no lemon although it may be sour it's good for you it's good for your health and good for your memory too there are certain foods that we should abstain from these are brain foods and supplements but try and stay away from those supplements that you know are chemical supplements stay away from those go for the natural ones and that is what we should aim for and finally dua this is something we we overlook dua is very powerful it is one of the most powerful of powerful of tools that we have in our toolbox that we should make dua to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when we are pursuing memorization of quran that allah you have chosen me this is we speaking to allah we not telling anybody else you have chosen me for this i am not deserving of it yet you have chosen me now it is i ask you to make this task of mine easy and give me the tawfiq that i maintain and uphold this your kalam once it has entered my heart so this kind of duas we should be making on an ongoing basis now before going on to the next thing when it comes to memorization of quran a very important fact is solitude You know the Nabi of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam only after he went into solitude in the cave of Hira that's when revelation began that same revelation you want it to enter you in enter your heart you need to find solitude now what is the problem that we are facing nowadays we may be sitting all by ourselves outwardly seeming to be in solitude but our devices have removed that solitude so we find many a time a young boy is sitting and is memorizing and under his desk he has his device there so where he is distracted that distraction is destruction we are not going to win with this kind of situation we need to find that balance as far as these devices are concerned and especially when we are in the process of memorization we should try and abstain from it when we are seated to learn the quran and memorize it there should be no device anywhere within meters of us if we do that then we are going to be starting to win inshallah then it came to the consistency of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam when it came to the kalam of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we know that when revelation came rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to repeat immediately after jibril so there we repeating hafiz needs to do the same thereafter he would go and 
he will repeat it once again to the Sahaba. He will recite that these verses were just revealed unto me. He will repeat it there again. And then he will stand in night prayer and he will repeat it once again. So repetition is key again. And we learn this from the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The other thing was, Quran must be recited no matter where we are. Whether we are at home or whether we are traveling during the journey or once we have reached our destination, we know that revelation was not restricted to Medina. Rasulullah sallallahu received the revelation whilst he was at home. He received revelation whilst he was en route to some place. And once he was at his destination, revelation came there as well. That itself tells us that Quran is to be recited and to, to be maintained wherever we may be and wherever we may go. The day that we are unable to fulfill this responsibility of rehearsing and repeating the Quran, there should be this yearning that wells up in our hearts. You know that on one occasion, revelation ceased, he ceased, didn't come to Rasulullah for a lengthy period of time. And he yearned for it to restart. In like manner, if we are not reciting the Quran on a particular day, there should be a yearning. It should not be some sort of a burden that I have to do this just because I'm expected to do it. Rather, it should be a yearning from within that how is it that my day is going to pass and I haven't recited any part of the Quran Kareem. And very much and importantly is that our character should portray that same kalam that we are memorizing. Success is connected and it is linked to our character. Success in our Hifzul Quran is linked to our character and our behavior. It has a great connection. Can we go to the next screen? It's gone again. Okay. Now coming to the month of Ramadan and Taraweeh. Although it's now less than a month left, in fact this, we should have had it many, many weeks or months before. Doesn't matter, better late than never, we can always uh, do some redemption and work our way somehow. Although this, the Salatul Taraweeh is going to be performed in the month of Ramadan, but as you heard just now, that preparation for month of Ramadan people would do from months before. The Nabi of Allah used to start in the month of Rajab specifically making the dua that you heard earlier on. And there were others who would start many more months before, six months before and so on. Regardless of all of that, if we had been preparing and rehearsing and making door of the Quran over these last months, then when the month of Ramadan finally dawns, then it would have been just the final shine and a bit of tweaking would have been needed to be prepared and ready for the musalla. But if we haven't done that, there is no need for us to become despondent. There is still scope. We can still build something from where we are. If we haven't been preparing in month of right till the day that Ramadan starts, what is going to happen is we're going to start cramming. And cramming is a bad idea. Those of most of you have written exams in some part of your life. When you crammed the night before or the day before, you know that on the next day, you're not going to fare well. Many just go blank. That can happen. And it happened to Ufaz also, that they go on the musalla and suddenly they, they can't recall anything. Now that is a very, you know, worst case scenario. But then you get others that will struggle along to try and complete that quarter or, or the half Jews that they are, are supposed to be reciting. So, if we are unprepared, that is the worst thing that can happen for one who is going to be leading the Salatul Taraweeh. The second point that 
I'd like to bring to, you note, to the attention of the Huffaz, those who are going to be leading the Salatul Taraweeh. When it comes to preparation for Salatul Taraweeh, the entire Jews must be learnt. As though you are going to be reading the entire Jews on that Musalla. Not your own part only, the one quarter that you are going to be reciting or the half or whatever portion has been allocated to you. And then of course we get those year in and year out who will choose the very same four rakats, the same quarter and recite that only every year. You're doing yourself a great disservice in that that is the only, that is the only part of the Qur'an you will retain in your memory, the rest of it you will forget entirely. So you need to alternate. If you're reading the first quarter in this year, then the next year you should be reading the second one and the third one and so on. And then for a few years you've done that, you were reading just quarters, then you need to aspire to recite more than that quarter. So you're going to do a half the following year. So this is the aspiration that you should have as a hafiz of the Qur'an to increase in the amount of recitation. So recite the whole juice. Now there's a benefit of that. The benefit of that is when you recite the whole juice, it is the month of Ramadan. Each time you recite that juice, it's counted as one khatam of the Qur'an. Every day you're going to read the next juice and you read it. From morning to evening, if you read it five times over, at the end of the month you have five khatams of the Qur'an to your credit. Don't try to read from beginning to end. As a hafiz of the Qur'an, I recommend this, that take the juz of the day and repeat it as many times as is possible for you. If you can do it up to ten times in the day, that will be the ideal. Those of you who are not working, those of you who are not at school or madrasa, you are, a madrasa is on holiday, I am asking you that ten times the minimum you can do. Tried and tested. I'm not just saying it. It is tried and tested. I've known of many people who are able to do that. Minimum ten Jews and sometimes even more. <clears throat> Very importantly, when you are going to read during the day, when you are doing preparation for your month, for, for the Taraweeh, read at the pace that you are going to be reading on the Musalla. Not at high speed, and then when you come on the Musalla, you want to slow down, and you are unable to do it because you got so used to reading it at a fast, fast pace, no sooner you slow down, then you are going to hit stumbling blocks on the way, and you are going to slip and slide, and you're going to have all, all sorts of issues. So prepare in the manner in which you are going to be reciting in the Salatul Taraweeh. Very importantly, do not sacrifice the Jaweed for pace, for speed. This is what happens. You start reading faster and then slowly but surely one rule of Tajweed, then the second one and the third one and finally you are reciting Quran which is devoid of the rules of Tajweed. So this is unacceptable. Whilst there are three paces in which Qur'an can be recited, the fastest being Hadr. Hadr also is governed that it should be in accordance to the rules of Tajweed. No sooner the speed exceeds that where the rules of Tajweed are going to be sacrificed, that speed then you need to come back away from that. It's like driving a car. You can only drive it at a speed where you know you are still in control. No sooner you are out of control, that speed is unacceptable. So, at the end of the day, recite the whole juice to someone before the evening. Usually after Asr or so, or even before Asr. Even if you are reading just one quarter and you're going to be making four rakats or, or six rakats, whatever the case. Recite the whole juice to someone, a hafiz. Recite it to him with the intention that this is a sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This is what the Nabi of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam used to do in the month of Ramadan and where he would revise the Quran with Jibreel 
Whatever was revealed and up to that time he would recite it to Jibreel. And in the final year of his, the final Ramadan of his life, he recited and revised it twice with Jibreel. So with the intention of the Sunnah, we should read it to somebody, preferably a Hafiz of the Quran who will pick up any errors in your recitation. Many a times I've found and I've listened to some of the Hufas over the years and I've picked up mistakes that they've been reading from the time they did Hifz for years on. قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسُ إِنِّي رَسُولُ اللَّهِ إِلَيْكُمْ جَمِيعَنِ الَّذِي لَهُ مُلْكُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ He was a Hafiz for years. He was a good Hafiz. I'm not speaking of just, you know, run of the mill or just recently uh, completed Hafiz. Somebody was reading for years and he read to me إِنِّي رَسُولُ اللَّهِ إِلَيْكُمْ جَمِيعَانِ الَّذِي Now there is an alif because of the tanween there but that alif is not read. There was another Hafiz وَإِذَا بَلَغَ الْأَطْفَالُ مِنْكُمُ الْحُلُمَ فَلْيَسْتَعْدِنُ حُلُمْ حَا لَامْ مِيمْ I don't know for how many years he was reading حُمُل Now this can happen. That's why I say read it to a Hafiz who will pick up your mistake. If you're reading it to another Hafiz he may not pick it up. Likelihood is that he won't pick it up. In any case take note of the mutashabihat. Mutashabihat are those verses that are similar. Now this is a very difficult thing and it ties in with the next point. Just bring it up there. Formulate codes for ease of recalling. These two tie up with each other. You need to when you are memorizing, bear in mind the mutashabihat, the similar verses that this verse is here, it is almost the same in another part of the Quran. So you don't confuse that one with this one and this one with that one. Now, it's very difficult sometimes, you, you struggle with it. Even the, the, the most pakka of Hufas sometimes, you know, when they come to Surah Yasin, everyone is a Hafiz on that day, so the Hafiz get jittery. And when he's not supposed to be making a mistake, he's going to make a mistake. Very easy for him if he has this last formulation of the codes of ease of recalling. Now if you go back and look at it, وَجَاءَ رَجُلٌ مِّنْ أَقْصَ الْمَدِينَةِ يَسْعَى Is it Surah Al-Qasas? Another father sleeping. And وَجَاءَ مِنْ أَقْصَ الْمَدِينَةِ رَجُلٌ يَسْعَى Surah Yasin. Now, formula. وَجَاءَ وَجَاءَ There is a رَجُلٌ and here is Min Aqsa al-Madinah. Now there the, the first letter after Waja'a is Ra. And here the first letter is a Meen. In the alphabet, Ra comes first. So Qasas is before Surah Yasin. So Rajul will come in Surah Qasas and Min Aqsa al-Madinah will come here. Then another good example, I'm just going to give you one or two examples. There is a whole compilation. I'll give you the co- uh, quotation of that later on where you can go and research these type of things. Then we look at, in Surah Baqarah, there's two places, فِيمَا فَعَلْنَ فِي أَنفُسِهِنَّ and the end of the next ruku, مِمْ معروف. Again, same thing, same formula. The bar comes first, and مِمْ معروف, the meme comes afterwards. So the first one is بِلْ معروف, and the second one is مِمْ معروف. Easy way to recall. And sometimes the sequence gets uh, turned over. It's a reverse sequence. ذَلِكُمْ وَصَّاكُمْ بِهِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَعْقِلُونَ Then, there's تَذَكَّرُونَ and there's تَتَّقُونَ And the Hafiz has a problem. Where is ta- Which is first, which is second and which is third? The ayat is the same, only the last word is different. The first letter of all those words has a ta. But you look at the second letter. In ta'qilun is ayn, tadakkarun is dal, and tattaqun has a ta. This is reverse order of alphabet. So ayn is last but comes first here, dal is next, it comes second here, and ta is first in the alphabet but comes last here. So you can memorize it in that way. It can help you to recall such uh, things. 
And then finally, of course, very important, learn the language of the Qur'an. As Huffaz of the Qur'an, we should have this aspiration that we want to learn the language of the Qur'an that is Arabic. Now, it will assist you in your hips. If you go and see many Arabic-speaking peoples, when they memorize the Qur'an, you'll hear in Syria and so on, they memorize the Qur'an in 60 days. How are they doing it? There is a system, but what helps greatly is that they understand what they are reading. And when you understand what you are reading, it saves you from a lot of these mistakes that we just spoke about. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ وَالْمُشْرِكِينَ فِي نَارِ جَهَنَّمَ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا أُولَٰئِكَ Sometimes he says, خَيْرُ الْبَرِيَةَ He gets confused. Now when you say, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا If you understood, you're already speaking of the disbelievers. And if you understand the word شَرْ, شَرْ means bad. So kufr is bad. And إِنَّ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ إِمَان أُولَٰئِكَ هُمْ خَيْرُ الْبَرِيَةِ There's خير in it. You won't make a mistake there. When you understand it, and I gave this example previously, I was in one place reading Taraweeh many, many years ago as a student still. And it was Surah Al-Qasas. And it was Waqala Musa. Rabbi Alamubi, whatever it was, I can't remember the exact ayat, but it was in Surah Qasas. And I said, Waqala Musa. Now my Sami' behind me, the one who was listening, he says, Qalat Musa. So I, I, I have. I didn't really scratch my head, but I was like scratching my head. Like, how is that possible? Now, if you understand the language, you know there's, there's no chance that it can be Qalat Musa. It's always going to be Qala Musa. Now, Qalat is for feminine. And Qala is masculine, Musa is masculine. How can it ever be Qalat Musa? Anyway, I went back and forth. He, he said it again, but I wasn't going to take it because I knew it's wrong. And I went with it, Qala Musa, and completed it. Anyway, he profusely then came and, uh, you know, apologized after that, you know, I don't know what got into me. He was an alim, I mean, he, but he made that mistake. But it assists you in being able to understand these things if you know the language of the Qur'an. In any case, it enhances the hives of the Qur'an if you know the language of the Qur'an. Now coming to the Taraweeh. Some frequently asked questions, I'm going to skim to them very quickly. Because we got roughly about 15 minutes. And if there's any time left, then I will take one or two questions if there are any questions that remain after these frequently asked questions. When is a Hafiz ready to perform or to lead the Taraweeh in the Masjid? This is a question that is very often asked by mutawallis of the Masjid, trustees of the Masjid, and even others, uh, the, the Ustaz of Hibs classes and so on. So, recommendation. I'm not saying this is cast in stone. I'm saying this is a recommendation which I find is, going, is a workable thing and it will build uh, the Hafiz and, uh, you know, give him uh, some amount of, uh, you know, courage. And that is, after he completes his hips, he should read in a smaller venues in the first year, second year, third year until he builds up the courage. When he is now you know, built that courage and, and then he can take it on from there. The confidence is something that develops over a number of years. I, I know there are Hufaz here when, if you go and ask them that the very first year when they stood on that Musalla, uh, you know, what a challenge that is. And those non-Hufaz who are present appreciate the Hufaz when they go and stand on that Musalla in that challenging circumstance that they find themselves in and yet they do not shy away from it. So I say give you a small venue first. Most of the masjids are attached to the masjid. There is a madrasa or there is a hall or there is some smaller venues. Let a few hufas read there in the initial days when they begin and when they build up their confidence then they should go and give them an opportunity on the musallah. Of course, what type of Hafiz should be the Imam? This is a very, very loaded question, always asked. It is this self-evident. Who do you want to be your leader? Ask yourself that question. Someone 
who is upright, who is of good character, who, who has the know-how of leading you and so on and so forth. Likewise, the Hafiz of the Qur'an, who has that character, number one, firstly he has memorized the Qur'an and he knows it well enough, and then he has good character, he is punctual at his salah, his dressing is not outlandish, best to be in according to sunnah, and of course his, his external appearance, that when you pass him in the street, you will not miss him. There are many ahufas, sad to say, that you walk past them, you will not identify that individual, let alone a hafiz of the Qur'an, you will not identify him as a Muslim. It's sad. Now come the month of Ramadan, they will grow some designer stubble. It's not a beard, some designer stubble, a little pencil mark, and expect that that will suffice uh, to, to allow him onto the musalla. So here, importantly, the people who are in charge of masajid should bear that in mind. Not politics should not come into it. Not because he is the son of so-and-so, that he should be given an opportunity on that musalla, but rather by merit. And the merit in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who is the most suitable to lead the congregation. So, let us be very vigilant of this, that our, our character and our mannerisms and everything else should portray the Qur'an not only when the month of Ramadan is dawning upon us, but throughout our lives. The ideal number of Hufas in a masjid, again subjective, but ideally two. And if you've got someone who is very strong, then one keeps the rhythm, keeps the pace, and those who enjoy good Qur'an, if you've got someone who is reciting good Qur'an, you give him the opportunity to lead the entire Salatul Tarawih, but two, or a maximum of three. Now what is happening nowadays, everybody wants to read in the masjid, nobody wants to read in the classroom, because of the fact that you don't get recognition. That is the most despicable of intentions. We're not reading to get recognition. Rather, to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whether it is here, or whether it is in the classroom, or whether it is in your lounge at home. The, the ultimate is to recite the Qur'an in the Salatul Taraweeh. You can do it anywhere. But everybody wants to be in the masjid because my son needs to be in the masjid. He says his son needs to be in the masjid. And there's not enough spaces in the masjid. So before it used to be four rakats, you got five. Now it is even two rakats. That is never heard of, unheard of. You get youngsters reading two, two, two rakats, and then you get a few reading four. Now, let's not play around with this. Let's call a spade a spade. They are not ready for that musalla. Do not subject them that, to that. Let them read for a few years in the classroom. When they are ready, when they are strong enough, they have the confidence, then you bring them in the masjid. If there is space, or find alternate venues, Tarawih, like the five-time daily salah, it is not incumbent that it has to be made in the masjid. Tarawih can be made anywhere. So let us get that clear. So there is no feeling that, you know, we're missing out somehow because our Tarawih is not in the masjid. It can be performed anywhere. Khatam in how many nights? 29 nights, best. The whole month of Ramadan, you have, you know, it going well. There was the time when the 27 night used to be finished and then those last two or three nights, it is like not Ramadan anymore. So we've moved away from that, but now slowly there's a move towards completing the Qur'an in 15 nights, 10 nights, 7 nights, 5 nights, and even less. Then what happens after that? Some don't even read Taraweeh, they read just make Alam Tara at home. That's not this objective. The object is not that. And then the, the zulum upon zulum is you already took the time, you, you don't want to give that amount of time, you want to finish it in 10 nights, read three Jews, 
but you want to do it in exactly the same amount of time that it takes to recite one juz. You're sacrificing the correctness of recitation so that you are able to complete in ten nights. This is unacceptable. We are fooling ourselves if you are doing that. Yes, if you have the time and the energy and you can read that three, by all means. But then it should, the time should be pro rata. If it's taking 45 minutes to do one juice, then add the same amount for every other juice. Well, not 45 minutes because the ruku and sajdas will be the same. But for the juice itself, 25 minutes to 30 minutes. So if you can add another one hour onto your tarawi time, then by all means, read three juice a night. But not if you're sacrificing the correctness of recitation, that is not acceptable. The procedure for correcting mistakes. So firstly, there's an appointed individual who, who we call the Samir, the listener. He's attentive towards the Hafiz who is reading and it's his task, his responsibility to assist the Hafiz whenever he, he hits a bump. Now don't stand in the fifth staff if you are not appointed and then you shout from there. It disrupts the whole congregation. Somebody has been appointed, he needs to do it. How is it supposed to be done? When the Hafiz is confused or he makes a mistake, just give him a little breathing space before you tap him on the back and give him sufficient amount that he can take that bit and then proceed. Don't you want one word? One word may not be enough for him to be able to proceed from there on. Now what is happening nowadays, and this is something that, you know, has been going on for a few years and we need to talk about it, is that in many masajid, the Hufaz, they have a pact amongst themselves. That listen, whatever mistakes happen, don't take the mistake out. Don't show them. So just keep it in your memory. When the next Hafiz comes then he goes back and he rectifies the mistake of the previous Hafiz. And in some masjids, the last reciter who is strong in his heels, he collects all the mistakes of that night and then before he commences his recitation, he's going to read all those mistakes at the end. Now this is not the method. This method is unacceptable. And I refer you to Fatawa Rahimiya, volume 3, page 84. That to rectify the mistake of the Imam, whether it is in Tarawi or outside of Tarawi, to rectify the mistake of the Imam is farz. And to shirk that responsibility, knowing the, that you can co correct him, this is haram. I gave you fatawa rahimiyah, but just look at one hadith. And the practice of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it's recorded in Jami' al-Tirmidhi. Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu says, anna nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, salla salatan faqara fiha. It was uh, uh, one of the jahri salat, he recited where it was audible and the congregation heard his recital فَلُوبِسَا أَوْ فَلُوبِسَا عَلَيْهِ and Rasul Sallallahu became a little confused with some ayah of the Quran in his recital and he completed the salah in that way فَلَمَّنْ صَرَفَا قَالَ لِأُبَيِّبْ when he turned around and he saw Ubayy ibn Ka'ab who was the greatest qari of this ummah he saw him, he, he, he questioned him immediately. Asallayta ma'ana, were you part of our salah? Did you follow? He says, naam, yes, I was there. Fama mana'aka. What stopped you from rectifying me? How important it was. That was just a farsala. Yeah, it is a khatam of the Quran that is in jeopardy if you do not rectify a mistake that was made by the Hafiz. It is a sunnah that you are going to lose if that is not completed. So the procedure is give him a breathing space, don't pounce on him. Give him a breathing space and if he's unable to move, give him sufficient amount to go. This business of collecting all the errors and then reciting it at the end or the next day sometimes, this is unacceptable. I've given you the quotations, let us refrain from that. Now we get Hufaz who say we've been pressurized by the, by the committee or by the Musallis and so on and so forth. And uh, you know, what do we do in a situation like that? So, I say, as a Hafiz, 
we need first our responsibility is with the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we have that's our first responsibility we will not sacrifice that for any committee member for any trustee of I'm going to say this very clearly if there are any committee members and trustees and so on from this masjid or other masajid let us get it in here that we have a responsibility to the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala firstly but at the same time then we should not be uh, you know going to extremes in, 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 in uh, dragging the taraweeh to the extent that it becomes unbearable for the, the congregation so read in a medium pace that you do not sacrifice the rules of tajweed not only the recitation but in your all your postures that is something also that we seem to overlook altogether and say that it's not necessary one subhana rabbi al-azim is enough and one subhana rabbi al-ala is enough and you know we just fly through this thing it's going to be five minutes more we are taking the time out and coming to the house of Allah let us spend that five minutes and recite a little quality taraweeh a little quality taraweeh rather than just running through the paces and at the end of it you do not have the satisfaction and neither does it bring the reward that is intended by doing this good action so your responsibility is to your kal to the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala how you read it and how to respond to the muqtadis you tell them my it is my Allah's kalam I can't mess it just because you want me to read faster I'm not going to do it yes I will not don't do this then sometimes you know uh, you get the hufaz who go first rakah they go like one quarter and then the next rakah they read three ayats then they come out and they say you know I stretched the bodies today what sense is that? The Quran has been split up into these rukus for a purpose. Take one ruku and read it in each rakat and you are done. It's so easy. It doesn't strain anyone. It doesn't strain the reciter firstly. So do that. Tajweed is very important that we should brush up on the masail before Ramadan, masail of tahara for the young ones, and masail of salah of sajda, sajda to sahu. When you make a mistake, when is sajda sahu necessary? and when it is not these are important things as an imam we should know certain things you may do and you, you may think of nothing of it and what happens what if I stood up for the third rakat what do I do then if somebody gave you the lukma and you came back fine but you went and you know sometimes the whole congregation is asleep and you did the whole third rakat and then you realize you know, this is the third rakat because you calculated the rukus that you were going to read and you say now what happens so you need to know the masail of such things and we should brush up all of this before the month of Ramadan dawns. And finally, when the Hufaz begins his Taraweeh during the month of Ramadan, first night, is first juice, easy, smooth sailing. Second juice, still we did quite a bit of door on it, smooth sailing. Third juice, fourth juice, so he builds a little bit overconfident, it becomes. It can happen. Overconfidence. We need to guard against that. And there's a word in English, there at the bottom is called hubris. When you become overconfident, overconfident in that, to the extent of arrogance sometimes, yeah, you know, nobody can take out my mistake. Nobody is infallible. This is the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We should lower our heads before it. The best of Uffas will make the mistake in the easiest of surahs. Making a mistake is no problem at all. And it should not be viewed by the congregation as this Hafiz is kacha. Appreciate that he's standing on that musalla and leading you. If he makes a mistake or two, it's of no consequence. You try, learn some bit and see if you can do it. And the Hafiz should not look at it as something that he should be looking down upon. It brings me down. Oh, he should feel belittled by that. It does not belittle you. You are before the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you make a mistake in it, that's showing you the fallibility of, human, of, of the human being. So when you make that mistake, it keeps you in check as well. That it say, keeps you away from that 
hubris that you may be feeling. So they say that, let's go back again. Hubris is that wonderful, assured feeling you have before you fall flat on your face. Don't do that. Don't become overconfident and that's so that you let your guard down on the fifth night or the sixth night. You didn't learn as you ought to have learned. Then you make all those mistakes there. Then you lose your confidence. And then every day after that is because you let your guard down. Don't do that. Be mindful, watchful of this and continue in that vein. Inshallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make that easy for you. So this is a very short uh, preparation. Hufaz, uh, I say again, I'm going to repeat this. Prepare the entire juz and the best way to do it is to re repeat that juz daily during the month of Ramadan from beginning to end and then read it to somebody so that you are sure that you know it well enough. Keep the mutashabihat in mind and go on with it. Inshallah, Allah will help you. And make dua also. Yes, this, of course, finally, we were talking about the uh, mutashabihat and the similar verses in the Quran. This is a compilation that has been printed here locally, Madrasa Dawatul Haqqin Amzinto. In the footnote, it tells you where to you can find the similar verse in with juice, with page number and everything else. So it is a good work if you are sometimes struggling with this. It can help you to find that. So this, this Quran, it's a 13-line Quran and it's available here in the country. Anyway, uh, if there's anything that you, you need to ask, it's, it's Azan time now. Uh, and Salah, Inshallah, after that, uh, you can write it on a piece of paper and we can put it out and put it out as a bulletin also, uh, you know, on, on the website if there is any questions and so on. So the frequently asked questions were covered. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, wa salatu wa salamu ala Sayyidil Mursaleen, Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahabihi ajma'in, Allahumma Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana wa fi al-akhirati hasana wa qina adab al-nar. اللهم أعنا على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك اللهم أعنا على تلاوة كتابك وكثرة الذكر لك والشكر لك اللهم اجعل القرآن العظيم ربيع قلوبنا وجلاء أحزاننا وذهاب همومنا وغمومنا وقائدنا وسائقنا إلى جناتك جنات النعيم اللهم ربنا تقبل منا إنك أنت السميع العليم وتب علينا يا مولانا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم وصلى الله تعالى على النبي الأمي وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين آمين برحمتك